Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. Hopefully that was a good conversation uh, to have. And uh, it's fantastic to be speaking to you this morning. If we haven't met, uh, my name's Nick Drake, one of the associate pastors here. And we are going to be continuing our series this morning, Let This Holy Temple Glow. Let This Holy Temple Glow. We've been exploring why we gather together and what the presence of the Lord has to do with our worship here and now. And we've been doing that by journeying through uh, our understanding from Scripture of the temple, of the temple. And we've been journeying through the Old Testament in particular up to this point, understanding the presence of the Lord through the temple. But this week, I'm really excited. I want you to, to be as well because we're getting to Jesus. We're getting to the New Testament and the difference that Jesus makes. And we're going to apply the understanding of the presence of the Lord through Jesus to our practice of communion, which we're going to take later together. How do we encounter God here and now as we take communion together? So let's just pray before we continue for the Holy Spirit to be speaking to us. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you already for what you've been doing in our midst We ask right now that you'd increase your activity, revealing more of who Jesus is to our hearts and to our minds. Make us more like Jesus, we pray. Holy Spirit, come. Just have a moment just to make that your own prayer, whether you're here for the first time or the hundredth time. Amen. Amen. So I want to begin with an illustration, an analogy. I want to talk about innovation. Innovation. Innovation is cool, right? It's taking old stuff that already exists and doing something fresh, doing something new with it. I want to talk about one of the most innovative chocolate products. Anyone want to throw out a guess what what I would say it is? Anyone? Anyone in the room? Innovative chocolate? I can hear some murmurs. I would suggest the most innovative chocolate product is the old Kinder Egg. Any Kinder Egg fans in the room? Yes, yes. Kinder Egg fans here. I I love Kinder Eggs. They are so fun. These are genius because if you haven't had one, and I have had a few chats since the 9.30, people who haven't had one, they're genius because they're chocolate but with a toy inside. Yes, chocolate with a toy inside. It's not just chocolate, there's more. There's more. And you have to break the chocolate to get to the toy. So the chocolate itself, broken as it is, even that tastes so good. Those of you who are kinder fans, you know what I'm talking about. It tastes so good when it's broken. And the innovation was so clever because eating the chocolate is part of what it means to experience the toy. Eating something temporary for a longer-term benefit. I mean, open for discussion, I grant you. But for a child, certainly true. What an innovation, taking what already existed and coming up with a new understanding of what it means to experience chocolate. Now, 
Listen to our passage. All right, stay with me, people. That analogy will journey with us through this. Listen to our passage from 1 Corinthians 11. It says this, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now we're going to end up looking at this passage, at what communion, the breaking of bread and drinking of wine together means for us and why it's so significant for our gathered worship. So I've called this talk Table Talk. Table Talk. And we're going to return and journey with this passage. But to understand how communion, bread broken, means something significant for us in our worship, we have to do some work. We have to go back into Scripture And that's what we're going to do first of all, and understand how Jesus does some extraordinary innovation with what they understood the temple to be, okay? So we begin, come with me, we begin at his trial. In order to do this work, we begin near the end of the story, just before the cross with Jesus' trial. And there, there are, they're trying to get, the religious leaders are trying to get false accusations brought to Jesus. But then this accusation comes in Matthew 26, 60 onwards. From two people, they come forward and they declare, this fellow said, I am, I don't think they would have said fellow, because it's quite, <laughs> anyway, this guy said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, aren't you going to answer this? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. Now, we need to grasp the enormity of this accusation. The enormity of it, because the temple, if you've been journeying through our series, or if you've read any of the Old Testament before, the temple for the people of God is the, the special place of God's presence. The place where heaven meets earth. In some way, it represents and, and continues God's intention right at the start in the Garden of Eden, right? Walking in the cool of the evening breeze with the Lord. What a picture of God's intention for our friendship with Him, our closeness with Him. And so the temple, in some way, is this place of continued relationship, closeness with God, where sins, our sins, are forgiven. So as the people of God can fulfill They're calling to be light for the world, to spread and share God's presence in the world. So the temple is the most important thing for the people of God up to this point. And so this charge against Jesus cuts so sharp. This guy said he would destroy our special place of encounter with God right? You grasp the enormity of the charge that, of course, is one of the reasons that leads to his death on the cross. Now, the thing is with this charge against Jesus, it's actually true. 
It's true. We see in John 2, 19 that Jesus says, destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in three days. So he does talk about the destruction of the temple. And we're like, what? Jesus is supposed to be the promised one, the Messiah, and yet he's talking not about fixing our problems, but causing more problems, breaking open destruction of the temple, the place of encounter, the place of presence, and mysteriously restoring it in three days. In three days when it's taken decades to build. What is going on? But then the clue comes in our journey. John 2, 21, Jesus says, but the temple he had spoken of was his body. Ah, here's the innovation. Here's the genius of Jesus. The temple he had spoken of was his own body. So here we have an affirmation of the importance of the presence of God, of heaven meeting earth for all of us. An affirmation of that by Jesus, and yet an innovation, a subversion, an upside down twist inside out of all that they'd known before. That the, all that they'd known before, uh, all that the chocolatiers had known before Kinder Egg was born, right? You can imagine the planning meeting when someone said, I know, let's put a toy inside a chocolate egg. Like, what? You know that moment when something fresh lands? And often it's harder if it's using stuff that already exists, right? Because everyone's used to that, right? Like when the iPhone first came, those of you who remember those days, like smartphones, like, what? What? You can just touch the screen. Anyone, anyone with me? It's just, right? It's like it's sometimes harder to understand something that kind of already existed, but now it's totally inside out, upside down. You're like, what? So when Jesus says, the temple is me, like, what? How? How? How can that be? The very presence that was in the building is portable again. If you remember, the tabernacle of Moses was portable. It's not fixed. It's not to do with geography or place. It's to do with the person of Jesus. What that means is not just like, oh, a building becomes a person. No, it means everything the building contained of the presence of God is now found in Jesus. So forgiveness, healing, restoration, restored intimacy. How do I fulfill my calling? Oh, I need to get to Jesus. I need to come to Jesus in order to do my, play my part in our calling to be light for the world. This is why Christianity is so incredible. This is why Jesus can't just be some kind of prophet that points to where, what God is, but he himself is God. He himself is the presence of God for us. He is the place of worship. Worship we do here when we gather. We worship with him. The Bible talks about him standing in the midst of us by his spirit. We worship through him. He is the access to the Father through his sacrifice. But in this instance, we worship in him. What? In him, how does that make sense? A bit like the toy and the egg. How does that make sense? Well, if he's the temple, you can start to understand. Yeah, you'd enter. You're inside. You worship in him as well. In the very presence 
of God. When we worship with Jesus, we are in the very presence of God. Now, how do we know this is true? Because obviously Jesus is just saying this, especially if you're new to church, if you're new to faith, you're here visiting. Well, this is like, he's just, they're charging him with it. And he actually did say it. But how do we know it? Well, we know it because when we look at the four gospel accounts, we see him doing what only happened in the temple. He's doing it on the streets, right? That's how we know it's true. He's doing miracles. So heaven meeting up. He's doing healings. He is forgiving sin outside of the temple structure and system. That's what's so innovative and radical. I don't know, I was thinking how to explain this. I don't know if you, um, you know this phrase like the glory days, you know, or the good old days. Have a think, what would it be for you? You know, maybe it's some uh, class you're in at school or some group of friends that you had just a few months with or a year with, or maybe you're in it right now, right? The, the good old days or the glory days, um, have a thing. This is one glimpse of my glory days in my boy band. Can you spot me? Everyone dressed like this in the, in the early noughties, people. It's not that funny back there. <clears throat> okay, you can take that down. Now imagine, thank you, you can take, thank, thank you, Jess. I wasn't going to mention you were in the toilet earlier, which is why we had to wait, but um, thank you, Jess. Um, <clears throat> But imagine your glory days, like, like some very great memories. Now imagine them coming back times a hundred, times a thousand. The glory days, Solomon's temple, the glory of the Lord fills the space so that the priests are overwhelmed. <gasps> God is here. God is here. Now imagine the glory days are back in Jesus, times a hundred thousand million. The glory days are here. Now, that's the Gospels. Now, zoom forward to here, 2023, us. Jesus is here by His Spirit. We can't see Him, but He's here. The glory days are here for us. Everything of God present for us through Christ that we need to fulfill our calling to represent God and to be a light for a hurting world. Everything we need is found in Jesus together as we worship him, as we come to him. The greatest lies that it's in other things in the world. No, those solutions are tempting but temporary. Those solutions are temporary but not your treasure. He is your treasure. He is the solution for the glory days working through your life. No wonder then that one commentator says this, on Jesus, not on the temple, rests the Shekinah glory, the special manifest presence of the Lord. And we think this is what's prophesied in Haggai 2.9. You might know this phrase, it says, the latter glory of this house will be greater than the former. What an amazing prophecy. You know, when you can't yet see, and yet the Lord leads to say, the latter days are going to be so much greater than these former days. So 
That leads us to see and make sense then of Hebrews 9, 11 to 14 that says this, when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle or temple that is not made with human hands. That is to say is not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. But how much more than will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Isn't that amazing? It is worthy of a praise break of it. Jesus, you're so worthy. And I know this is a sermon, but have a moment for your heart to respond to Jesus already. Like, Jesus, what, what? Amazing, amazing. How incredible. Thank you that you don't just cleanse me on the outside. You deal deep inside with the acts that I do, that you do, that would otherwise lead to death. Thank you, Jesus. With all of this theology, thank you for coming with me. We're nearly over this bit. All of this understanding of the innovation Jesus does about the temple and the presence, we can now understand one new phrase of Jesus that he says. There's a scene when he's walking through uh, the fields with his disciples and he gets more criticism. And he answers the criticism of his disciples with this phrase. In Matthew 12, he says, I tell you, something is greater than the temple is here. I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. Now we can grasp why he says such a thing. With me? Now, let's go back to our communion passage, right at the start, just after the kinder egg illustration, okay? 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11, because Jesus, of course, institutes this at the Last Supper, but Paul in Corinthians, the church in Corinth, reinforces the value and importance of uh, doing this in remembrance of Jesus, it becoming part of our church worship around Jesus. And in that account of the Last Supper, when Jesus breaks the bread, he says, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We can now understand when he breaks the bread and says, this is my body, he's saying, this is the temple. This is the temple, the new creation, the new world of God's special presence broken open for you, for all of you to come, given to you. Not just an idea, but a reality that we can participate in and live in. So when in a few minutes I break open this giant wafer, right, as part of our communion, when I do that in a few minutes and say we break this bread to share in the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit is saying to us through that, there is a space here for you as you receive this 
to receive all that flows from the temple of God. All that flows from the heaven meets earth reality of Jesus, alive, risen for us. Forgiveness. Is that what you need today? Not just on the outside, but comprehensive inside out. Maybe healing is what you need, a touch of Jesus today. Maybe it's vision and purpose you need. As this is broken open, you come to receive and share in the body of Christ that we now understand is the temple. Jesus' body broken on the cross, symbolizing so much for us. Now, why is this so important? Because there had to be a place for our brokenness and the world's brokenness to find a home, right? There had to be a place. Our sin, but also our pain. Our, I put down the word noise. I don't know if you resonate with that in your life. Like my noise, I just like, Ugh. you know, like what? You know that kind of feeling? Like the why, the what? the expression that isn't quite the right thing, the reaction to someone else that isn't the fair reaction, but it's your noise. There has to be a place for our fears to find a home, to rest in the brokenness of Jesus. Our brokenness is met in his broken body on the cross. Some of you will know, those close to me will know, that I lost one of my parents uh, a month or two back, my dad. And we knew he was ill, but nevertheless, it was, it was sudden. It was unexpected. And those of you who've experienced this, it's, it's obviously, it's a whirlwind. And these things are a long journey, aren't they? They're a long journey when you lose someone close to you. But what I can testify to in this even early season of the journey for me is that because of Jesus, I know where to go, right? I know which way to face, so to speak. You know, you know that moment where the storm comes? You're like, where do I even face? Where do I go? Where's my home? Because of Jesus, because I know he's been broken on the cross for me, I know where to go as I journey through the emotions, the memories, the thoughts, the feelings. For example, the first phrase that came to me when I heard the news was obviously, dad has gone. And there's that moment, isn't there, of like human absence, separation, he's gone. Natural response, you know, expressing the realization of loss, of absence. But then straight away, because I'm orientating my life towards Jesus, because my brokenness has a home in his brokenness on the cross. A new word came to my mind and added into that sentence, dad has gone through. He's gone through because he believed and walked with this Jesus. He's gone from me, but he's gone through to walk with Jesus in new measure. He is in a new time of life. Because without Jesus, death and separation are the ultimate endpoint of our brokenness. 
of our broken world. But with Jesus, through Jesus, in Jesus, we can have sure found faith that there is a future hope, a resurrection in the light of which my brokenness, my loss can be held. My brokenness has a home. Now, hopefully that's not true for many of you right now. You're not going through the same scenario. But for all of us, we need to know today there is a home to lay down our broken pieces, right? We need to know which way to face, to go, to place our weary striving, our sin. Maybe for you, it's your failed agenda. You know, that plan you had, thought was the right thing and it's just, no, it's fallen. Maybe that's you today. You need to know where to face, where to go home. And the beauty of Jesus is you can go a hundred times. There's no limit to how many times you can go back home. And in fact, the beauty of this is home is where restoration comes, where future comes again. It's never too many times and it's never too late to come back to Jesus or to come to him for the first time. The presence of God broken for us. Now at this point, I would want to eat something. So does anyone want a kinder egg? First person put up the hand. Yes, there you go. Good catch. We're in our final descent, people. I hope you're with me. Um, What does this understanding of Jesus now mean for our understanding of presence? Well, the presence of God is forever cross-shaped. The presence of God, the manifest presence of God, heaven meaning earth, is forever cross-shaped. A broken presence open for us. But also, broken temple means resurrection power. It means resurrection power. Power and the presence of God, when we encounter the presence of God in a manifest way, like for example, when we gather, when we worship, when we take communion, the presence of God for us is always taking us from and through brokenness to restoration, to resurrection life. And this is where communion comes in. Because when we gather, where can we access experience and not just like, in a nebulous, in the airway, but in a physical way, when we eat, in our case, the wafer, the bread, dipped in wine, where can we access and join with this brokenness and therefore receive, poured into us, the resurrection presence of God? Well, in communion. In communion. It's where the broken presence is reliably remembered. It's where the broken presence is displayed for us and encountered. And all through church history, Christians have testified to the truth of this for their worship as a key part of their gathered worship. We know from communion, from the text we read out, that two thing, that it does two things for sure. Firstly, it remembers Jesus. It, in and of itself, it tells the story. In, as we say the liturgy, the words on the screen together, it rehearses the story. But we also know from the text, second thing, it proclaims Jesus and his death and resurrection. It announces it in the room and to the world. It does those two things. But within the text, 
and through church history, there is also an expectation, a belief that by our faith, as we come forward to receive our faith together, and crucially, by the Holy Spirit's presence, Jesus is encountered as we eat the wafer and drink the wine, that we are in some way united to him, the special presence of the crucified yet risen Christ. But how, I hear you ask, because it does seem like I'm just eating a wafer, right? It does seem like that. But think perhaps of baptism. We're going to be doing some amazing baptisms next week. This whole area is going to be soaking wet here. It's going to be awesome. It's a very similar scenario, right? On the one hand, I'm just getting really wet, right, when I get baptized. On the other hand, there's an inward, invisible life change, a spiritual reality happening, going on deep within as we do this outward participatory event. And so it is and can be with our faith, with the Holy Spirit's power, as we take communion together. So as I come to end, can I encourage you to come with an expectation of encounter to communion. For many years, we've known and grown in this expectation in our sung worship, haven't we? So we've spent so long in it. We hear stories of God at work, how healings have happened, how salvation has happened in some of these moments. And they feed our faith. But is it perhaps time to also prioritise and remember the same is true here for our kind of church and tradition? And one such story, I'll never forget um, one person I met. She said she wasn't a Christian. And something that day, I don't know if you ever had this, she's like, I've got to just find a church. I've just got to go to a church. And so she went to her local church, didn't know anything about faith. She came in and it was a communion uh, worship gathering. And she just found herself like, you know, shuffling forward in the line as you do, Right. And, uh, and at that point, by the way, it is a bit of a travelator, isn't it? You know, you can't really get off, right, can you? You know those things at airports, like, how do I get, yeah, I'm already here. And so she's there at the front, hands, she's like, what do we do? You know, if you've ever been in that, what do we do? And oh, I'll just put my hand out. The moment the bread hit her hand, she had a revelation of who Jesus is. This was her story to me. Just this, like, it's real. He's true. Just in the moment, the bread hit her hand. That's, that was what happened. The Holy Spirit's power at work. Heaven meeting earth. And she gave her life to Jesus. And she's now, as she's trained in the church, she's now a vicar leading her own church. Just from that moment. Just from a power encounter through partaking in communion. Finally, light sticks. I love a light stick prop. Anyone else? Light sticks. They're great, aren't they? I've got giant ones. I mean, they're not giant, really, are they? They're just slightly larger than average. Light sticks. Light sticks. You see, the Spirit uniting us to Christ in communion is how we become the temple. And Tim's going to look at this a bit next week. And the whole of next term, we're going to look at how we scatter as the temple. We unite with Christ's body, the temple broken, and so we share in his body and become the temple. And our role as we scatter, as we go from this place, is what this theologian says. We are to extend 
the temple of God's presence throughout the world. Wow. Oh my goodness. Is that my role? Is that what I can do, play a part in? This, whatever your work is, wherever you are Monday to Friday, this is our purpose. This is our calling. But of course, what we've learned today, what I want you to remember is the way of Jesus says we can't be this light for the city until we realize and confess our brokenness. Now, this is tricky because I've got a microphone and these sticks. On the other hand, you can hear the break in the sticks. Broken people shine brighter with Jesus. Why? Because we unite with his brokenness. This is how the glory days come, right? Us. Now, times are tight. Otherwise, I would have got you all one of these. Imagine all of us together, how bright we shine. Even when the brakes sound uncomfortable and feel so hard, if we know which way to face, if we throw everything on the cross, then wow, the glory days, the glory days that mean just in your everyday encounters with others, you shine hope, you shine life, you shine the solution that only Jesus can bring and you become the innovative presence of God in the world. The inside out, what? What do you do? Who are you? Oh my goodness, wow. Look at your kindness. Look at your love. Look at the power of God at work in you. That's what we're called to do. A broken people who are light for the city. Amen? Shall we stand together? Thank you for listening all the way through. (laughs) And uh, we're going to take communion now. If the band would like to come up. As we transition into communion, why don't you have a moment, there's been a lot of talk, to pray your own prayer in this moment. Whatever it means for you, for the, the glory days, the presence of the Lord working in and through you, whatever that prayer is for you, it might be that, you know, you remember your first encounter with Jesus and you long for just more of that intimacy to come back. Make that your prayer. Maybe you're here for the first time and you're like, I don't know quite what you're talking about, but I want this Jesus. Make that your prayer. Maybe it's a prayer for someone else, for the glory days, the presence of the Lord in Jesus to come to them. Have a moment or two just to make your own prayer in the stillness. Maybe close your eyes, just pray your own prayers.
So Lord, we pray for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit in our midst. As we come now to take communion, would you pour your Spirit out? Pour your Spirit out. Pour your Spirit out. Come Holy Spirit, we pray. And let's say these words together on the screen. I say a line, you say a line back. That's how it goes. (laughs) The Lord is here. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to praise you, Father, Lord of all creation. In your love, you made us for yourself. When we turned away, you did not reject us, but you came to meet us in your Son. In Christ, you shared our life that we might live in Him and He in us. On the night he was betrayed, at supper with his friends, he took bread, he broke it, and he gave it to his friends saying, take, eat, all of you. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. At the end of supper, taking a cup of wine, he gave you thanks. And he said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. So as we proclaim his death, and celebrate His rising in glory. Send your Holy Spirit that this bread and this wine may be to us the body and blood of your dear Son. So with your whole church throughout the world, we offer you this sacrifice of praise. We lift our voice, and if you feel able, let's lift our hands to join the eternal song of heaven, saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. And let's have a praise break. Lift your praise across the room. Let's just lift up applause, praise, holy. Let's just keep going. Speak out your praise. Speak out praise, thanksgiving to Jesus. Go beyond the text of the lines on the screen and lift your hearts, lift your voices, for He is worthy. Jesus, Jesus, worthy, holy, 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 holy. And now a moment as we see His holiness to confess our brokenness. So again, in the stillness, a moment to confess where we've fallen short in thought, in word, in deed, where we haven't loved God with our whole heart. Have a moment.
Almighty God who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you. Pardon and deliver you from all your sins. Confirm and strengthen you in all goodness and keep you in life eternal. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And now we say the prayer Jesus taught us together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. And so we break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body because we all share in one bread. So if those who are going to serve communion could come out now and uh, there'll be stations at the front of every section and at the back of this long section. Uh, there'll be gluten-free wafers at the front here as well if that's what uh, you need to receive. And can I encourage you to try and take your time. Come with faith, come with expectation and just don't rush the moment. As you receive and as you walk back, maybe just have a moment of stillness on your own, thanking the Lord, thanking Him for what He's done for you in Christ. Come with expectation of encounter. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website gastric.org or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.